Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Even the king of Israel. These were the different things that people shouted as Jesus of Nazareth rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. We had left Bethany that morning and made our way to Bethphage, where Jesus had sent a couple of us to go and gather a donkey. We weren't sure why he wanted a donkey, but he wanted a donkey, and he wanted a specific donkey. And he sent two of us to go get one. In our group were people who had witnessed Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. They had witnessed him give sight to a blind man named Barabbas. Still others were following along after Jesus had visited Zacchaeus in Jericho. So it was a pretty large crowd. After the disciples brought back the donkey and Jesus climbed aboard it, it was only about a mile and a half walk to the gates of Jerusalem. And we started walking and we started picking up more and more people along the way. You see, we were headed to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. So we were about 100, 150 out of 150,000 who would visit the city that week to celebrate the Passover. It was one of the few times, one of the three times in the year where Jerusalem was literally overrun with people. And as we walked from Bethphage to Jerusalem, more people started to recognize Jesus. Some people recognized that he seemed important just because he was riding on the back of a donkey and people were starting to cheer and people were starting to wave palm branches and they joined in to the processional. And those voices became louder and louder and louder and worked up into a frenzy of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And they waved their palm branches much the same way as we would when a king returned from battle victorious and we would celebrate in a processional when the king entered the city. And as people, as Jesus passed by, people started laying their palm branches on the ground as a kind of a red carpet, if you will to welcome Jesus into the city. People shouted louder than I had ever heard anyone shout before. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. See, many people in the modern world have only a partial idea of what Hosanna really means. 
Some people think that it is a term of praise and worship, and it is, but it is so much more. Literally, the word Hosanna means save, please. More than praise, more than adoration, it is a word shouted out in a prayer of desperation. Please save us. This is what the people were shouting to Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem. Please save us. The people were looking to be rescued. They were looking to be rescued and thought that they had finally found Messiah. The king who was supposed to come to save Israel from all enemies. And Israel had enemies. Rome had conquered Jerusalem about 90 years before this. And 20 years later, the Roman Senate declared Herod the Great, who had helped them gain control of Jerusalem, Herod the Great was named the king of the Jews. Herod's family continued to be the king of the Jews for the next 60 years. And each Herod the king got worse and worse. The Romans did all they could to destabilize Israel, to make sure that people wouldn't rise up, that people wouldn't cause a resistance, an attempt to take back control of Jerusalem. And there were uprisings, but they were quickly squashed by the Roman soldiers who were sent in. One of the ways they destabilized our area was to hire Jews to act as tax collectors. You see, the Romans wanted their taxes. The Romans wanted their money. And instead of sending soldiers, instead of sending their own tax collectors, what better way to divide a people than to hire some of their own to do Rome's dirty work for them? Not only were they hired to collect taxes, they were encouraged to take more than Rome was requiring and to pocket the rest, and the taxpayers became rich. These Jewish tax collectors took part in the oppression of the people of Israel. And this caused infighting, this caused further destabilization of the nation. I found it strange that one of Jesus' choices to follow him as an apostle was Matthew, tax collector. We hated the tax collectors, and Jesus called him anyway. But I digress. When Jesus drew near to Jerusalem riding a donkey, just as was prophesied in the book of Zechariah, the people were understandably excited was this the king who would conquer the Romans? Was this the king that would restore Israel? Was this the king who would establish God's kingdom on earth forever? 
In the meantime, while Jesus was making his way to the city, passing by to the shouts of Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, the Jewish leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the high priests were getting understandably nervous. They feared another uprising, and they feared violence, and they especially feared this violence during this holy week of Passover. They tried to get Jesus to quiet the crowd. They were attracting too much attention from the Roman soldiers who were surrounding Jerusalem to keep the peace. Teacher, rebuke your disciples, they said. But Jesus simply smiled and said, I tell you, if these people were silent, the very stones would cry out, Hosanna. The Pharisees realized there was nothing they could do, at least not then and there. They even admitted to one another, look, the world has gone after him. Meaning they're not following us anymore. Suddenly, Jesus stopped the donkey. He stopped the processional. And the crowd became quiet. I think they were anticipating that Jesus would say something great and mighty, that Jesus would call them to arms and tell them the uprising was about to begin. But Jesus, sitting on the back of the donkey, started to weep. He started to cry. He looked at this city of Jerusalem that he was about to enter, and tears started falling down his cheeks. And he said, would that you, even you, Jerusalem, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. These people were expecting war, and here is Jesus crying over Jerusalem and speaking of peace. And he went on, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. This was confusing. We couldn't understand. We thought the Messiah would be coming to rescue Jerusalem. And here Jesus is talking about Jerusalem being completely and utterly destroyed. Just days before Jesus came into Jerusalem, his disciples were sitting around and Jesus came up to us and he said, who do people say that I am? And a few of us answered, some say you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. Another answered, you're Elijah the prophet. A couple of others answered, well, you're not Elijah, but you're one of the prophets. And then he looked right at us. And he said, but who do you say that I am? 
And I stood up and I looked him right in the eye. And I said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ that we have been waiting for. You are the Christ that is going to bring rescue to his people. In the next sentence, Jesus talked about going to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And he said that on one day he would be killed and three days later, he would be raised. And I pulled him aside. I told him not to say such things. You're not going to be killed. We won't allow it. Look at all of the people around you, Jesus. And Jesus looked at me and he said, get, me, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I don't mind telling you that hurt a lot. I had just confessed that Jesus was the Christ, and now he's telling me that I'm not setting my mind on the things of God. But now we see Jesus riding into Jerusalem like a conquering king, but instead he stops and predicts the end of the city of Jerusalem. And if Jerusalem is destroyed, Israel is destroyed. It's all very confusing, and things were about to get a lot stranger. After Jesus rode through the Golden Gate on the east side of the city, he went directly to the temple, which was just a stone's throw away. And there were tens of thousands of people in Jerusalem at the time preparing to celebrate the Passover. Those, most of them had traveled a great distance. Many of them could not bring their sacrifices with them. You see, during Passover, we sacrificed a sin offering and we sacrificed a love offering. And if we couldn't bring the offering with us, God had put provision in his commandments to say, bring your money, bring something to trade, and you can exchange it for your sacrifice. This was the custom of the day. So yes, the temple was full of animals and people making transactions so that they could sacrifice on the Passover. And Jesus walked into the temple and he saw these thousands of people. He saw the money changers. He saw the animal salesmen. He saw the people. And then he saw something. Something that made him very angry. I watched as suddenly he walked up to the money changer's table and he threw the table into the air, coins flying everywhere. He grabbed the chairs of the men who were selling pigeons and he threw them. He released 
the pigeons from their cages. And he said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he began driving these people, these money changers, these pigeon sellers out of the temple. Jesus was angry. You see, pigeons were used as sacrifices by people who were the poorest among us. They couldn't afford a lamb for a sin offering, and God had given them a provision as well. He said, if he cannot afford a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he has committed two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a sin offering and one for a burnt offering. Jesus saw that the money changers and the pigeon sellers were charging more than they should. They were cheating the poor who had so little in the first place. And Jesus, who had taught us many times to care for the poor, became angry. The chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees saw what was happening and they became angry too. Because the money changers and the pigeon sellers always paid a premium to the chief priests and to the scribes and to the Pharisees so that they would look the other way as they were cheating the poorest among us. Just about then, as the scribes and the Pharisees were angry, as Jesus was finishing driving these people out of the temple, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. This was unheard of. You did not perform healings inside the temple. It didn't happen. And the chief priests and the scribes went off again, but it got even worse. Suddenly, little children started coming up and shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David! Hosanna to the son of David! Children weren't allowed to shout in the temple. Usually, children weren't allowed in the temple at all. And here are these children shouting to Jesus. Scribes and the Pharisees rebuked Jesus for what the children were saying, but Jesus... Jesus just replied from the Psalms, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? Soon after this, Jesus left the temple. But over the next few days, Jesus almost seemed to be trying to upset the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees. Every time we turned around, another of them was coming up to Jesus and asking a question in order to test him. They questioned his authority. 
to teach what he taught. They tried to trip him up by having him define who our neighbor is. No, Jesus made him really mad. Jesus said, your neighbor is the Samaritan. We hate the Samaritans. We hate the Samaritans almost more than we hate the tax collectors. And Jesus said, they are your neighbors. They tested him by asking him whether or not Jews should pay taxes to Rome. And they all marveled when he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's. Finally, one of them came up and said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And after he said this, no one dared ask him any more questions. Instead, they started plotting to see how they could arrest and kill Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus just continued teaching, most of the time in parables, until it was time for the Passover feast. And that's where I'm going to leave you today. Would you pray with me? Hosanna, Father. Save us, please. Father, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have his words. We thank you that we are able to see his actions. Father, we ask that you give us the strength and the courage to be like Christ. To teach as he taught to do as he did, and if we are called to it, to die as he died. Father, thank you for showing us what Messiah truly is, not just the Savior of one people, but the Savior of all people. We thank you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Four days from now, on Thursday, April the 14th, you all are invited to come to a special service that commemorates one of Jesus' most humbling lessons, the lesson of foot washing. You're also invited to communion, the Lord's Supper, on that same night, which is when he instituted the Lord's Supper. Please consider joining us on Thursday. Please consider joining us 
on Good Friday. And I pray that we'll see you on Easter Sunday. God bless you.